We're going to be in, uh, again, this week, lots of places in the scriptures, so just uh, hang with me. If you've got a Bible, if not, we're going to have the scriptures on the screen behind me. We're continuing our series, our second week in the series called The Gift of Forgiveness. Um, I think it's going to be our last week on this. Next week is going to be the 23rd. That's going to be kind of our Christmas Eve service. We're going to give our staff and elders and teams and volunteers Christmas Eve off this year. We're not going to have Christmas Eve services, and so next week's going to be kind of that service. It's going to be good. You want to bring your relatives here if they're coming. We're going to sing a lot. We're going to do a lot of scripture um, and just get our minds and hearts focused on Christmas, but we're going to land the plane on this series today that we're calling the gift of forgiveness, and last week we, we really looked at three things. One, we talked about how the Bible over and over again refers to Jesus as the gift of God to us. And that that's not preacher speak, that the scripture is really clear that, that through the person of Jesus Christ, we've been given the greatest gift that we're ever going to be given, and that is the gift of forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness by God to us. We also looked at, in light of the fact that we are a people, that we're a people that have been completely forgiven of all of our sins and transgressions and wrongs, that we, in light of that, are to be a people that offer that same gift of forgiveness to others. And then lastly, we spent most of the week last week, we, we looked at how the Bible defines forgiveness, how the Bible defines forgiveness, and that's critical because most of our understanding of what forgiveness means falls radically short of the biblical picture and definition of forgiveness. And so in light of Friday, all right, in light of Friday, and I'm just going to real briefly here before we jump in the sermon, remind us of what the biblical definition of forgiveness is and in light of what happened in Connecticut on Friday, I think we're going to be able to to more clearly see just how radical this biblical picture of definition really is. We saw like last week, number one, that to forgive biblically means to not take revenge on somebody who's wronged us. That that's the first kind of biblical definition of forgiveness. We don't, we don't return evil when evil is done against us. In 1 Peter 3, 8, uh, Peter says this, to sum up, all of you be harmonious sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, that's unbelievable, but giving a blessing instead for you were called to this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing, right? That's crazy. The scripture says when somebody does evil against you, you bless. Somebody insults you, you bless. And then it goes on to say, church, this is the purpose to which you've been called, God called your name so that you would be able to do that. All right, secondly, we talked about how to forgive biblically means to forgive completely. And we looked at how there's this major, this massive difference between what we believe and think forgiveness really is and what the biblical picture of forgiveness is. Most of us, we, we talked about this, that most of us, when we, when we supposedly forgive somebody, what we're really offering them looks more like deferred adjudication, which is this thing where you let the person off the hook, but they're on probation. And, and, then, and then if they do the same sin over a given period of time, then they get the penalty of both of the transgressions. But we, we looked and we realized that that is not how God forgives us. That's not how he forgives us. The scripture in Psalm says that, it's, that, that as far as the heaven is from the earth... And as far as the east is from the west, so does God remove our sin from us. He doesn't just overlook it, he removes it. And if that were not enough, in Isaiah it says he remembers our sin no more. In church, the Bible says that's how we are to forgive other people. 
That's how God calls us to forgive others, that when somebody wrongs us, we remove the sin from their account and then we behave towards them like it never happened. Okay, that's, to, that's what it means to biblically forgive somebody, forgive them completely. We looked at how to forgive biblically means forgive repeatedly. And we realized that a lot of us have a threshold for our forgiveness. We'll, we'll let somebody wound us one or, or once or twice or maybe three times, but in the back of our mind, there's a line. And, and we'll think, you know, we'll let the person hurt us and we'll get past it. But if they wound us this many times or hurt us this many times, then we'll no longer forgive them. But Jesus and Luke said this. He said, if a brother sins against you seven times a day, you're to forgive him. That's it. That's the biblical picture of forgiveness. When somebody does evil, you bless. You forgive them completely and you forgive them repeatedly. Now, I've had so many people over the last week, and this is before Friday, had so many people come up to me and say, Matt, okay, thank you for the sermon because I realized the Holy Spirit has shown me that there's somebody in my life that I've overlooked their transgression towards me, but I have not biblically forgiven them. I, I bet I heard that two dozen times this week through email, people calling me, talking to me, just saying, Matt, there's somebody in my life, yes, I've not biblically forgiven them, and I need to do that. Had other people tell me, they say, you know, I hear the biblical picture of forgiveness. I see the picture of biblical forgiveness, but in light of how this person's hurt me, in light of how this person's betrayed me or wounded me, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price to forgive this person biblically. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time today, and, and I'm going to talk about this for a minute, and then we're going to show you a really cool video at the end of this that our team has put together. It kind of shows a picture of what this forgiveness looks like, but I want to talk about how how do you forgive? Because I would guess that the vast majority of us in the room at least would have somebody that we could say, yeah, somewhere in our life we, we overlooked that person's transgression. We haven't biblically forgiven them. But, so we're going to look at how to offer and how to give that gift of forgiveness today. As I've studied the scripture, I think there's three things that have to happen in our heart for us to get to the place where we're like, okay, I'm going to pay the price to forgive this person the way that, that God has forgiven me. If you're taking notes, three ways, three things have to happen in our heart. Number one. That if you're a believer here today, that as a believer, as a child of God, as somebody that's indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, we've got to get to the place where we realize that forgiveness is not a suggestion in the scripture to us. It's command. Okay, so, so for us as believers, if somebody has wronged us, however that way is, for us to forgive them is not a choice for us. It is a matter of biblical obedience, that's just kind of step one. We've got to get to the place that when somebody wrongs us, okay, I, it's not that you have a choice here. If you want to be obedient to God, you must forgive them. And, and in Colossians 3.12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, that's you, that's me. He's talking to Christians here. He says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. That's the manner in which you forgive them. You forgive them as the Lord. We found out what that was last week. Now watch this at the end. He says, so you also must forgive. That's command in the Greek. Now listen, guys, I want, to listen to you. I want y'all to listen to me very carefully. This may not apply to everybody here, but it's, I guarantee you, I've been doing this long enough to know it applies to some of us in the room. It's command. And so, it, 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 Scripture here is saying it's not if you feel like forgiving, forgive. Scripture's not saying if, if the circumstances are right, you forgive. The Scripture's not saying if the person has groveled enough, you forgive. The Scripture's not saying if there is enough security 
and promise that the person won't wrong you again, then you forgive. The scripture is saying, in the way the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. One of the biblical, the defining biblical characteristics of a child of God, of redeemed, regenerate, Holy Spirit indwelt child of God is a person who is offering forgiveness to people who has wronged them. Okay, it's just one of the defining pictures and biblical characteristics of a Christian. And so if you're a person that refuses to forgive somebody that's wronged you, only one of two things can be true about you. Number one, if you refuse to forgive, number one is you don't understand the depth you've been forgiven by God. You don't understand the depth you've been forgiven by God if you refuse to forgive somebody else. Maybe you just don't think you're that bad. Maybe you don't think you need forgiveness. And listen, if, if that's where you're at, I'm kind of preaching now, so just hang with me, but if that's where you're at, that ought to scare you to death. Uh, if you're a person that's like, I just can't forgive that person, that ought to scare you to death right now. Because what that ultimately means is you do not understand the depth to which you've been forgiven by the Lord. And if you don't understand the depth that you've been forgiven by the Lord, then you may or may not be saved. And so if you're a person that cannot forgive, you need to think deeply about your walk with Jesus. Number two, if you are saved and you will not forgive somebody, you need to know, I think biblically speaking here, this is black and white, you are walking in open sin and rebellion against your God. And if you're a child of God, if you're saved, if you're dwelt with the Spirit and you are walking in open sin and rebellion against the Lord, what that means, according to Hebrews, is that the discipline of the Lord is coming your way. And if the discipline of the Lord is coming your way, that ought to scare you too. And so either way, you ought to be scared today. <laughs> some, of you need to, some of you need to hear this. You know who you are. Somebody who will not forgive. For you to offer the person you won't forgive the gift of forgiveness this year for you, it is not some fluffy, sweet Christmas thing. It is a matter of obedience to God. It's a matter of repentance of your sin. Okay, that's step number one is you got to realize this is a matter of biblical obedience. Number two, this is hard, but it's critical. And I want you to listen real carefully to this point. Try to engage your mind here to why this matters. Number two, for you get to a place for you to forgive people biblically, is you have to trust in the sovereignty of God. You've got to trust in the sovereignty of God. And this is, this is a difficult subject, but it is so biblical it's unbelievable. You remember the story of Joseph? I mean, this guy, Joseph, this guy got wronged, all right? Y'all remember the story of Joseph? He's a little dude. He, his dad likes him. So his dad gives him a present. Dad gives him a colored coat. He likes the coat, puts the coat on. But his brothers get uh, jealous of his nice multicolored coat. And so they steal the coat from him and chunk him in a ditch. And if that were not bad enough, he would need to forgive his brothers. If somebody stole my coat and threw me in a ditch, I'd be mad at him, right? But that's not all they did. They're like, you know what we need to do? We need to sell this dude into slavery. And so they took their brother and they sold him into slavery. And his brother grows, has to leave his family, leave his home, leave his coat, and he has to go to another land. But God raises him up. He becomes one of the leaders of the whole country. And his brothers find out about, about that the, their brother that they sold into slavery is now kind of in charge. And scares them to death, and their dad, right before he dies, he tells the brothers, he says, look, you need to ask for Joseph's forgiveness. So he sends a, a note to Joseph in Genesis 50, 16. It says, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died, saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive 
I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Now I want you to watch in the next two verses how Joseph responds to him. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? In other words, one of the first things he does is says, Look, I'm not God here. I'm just like you, so don't be afraid. Now, Verse 20 is is the critical verse. He says, and as for you, he's speaking to his brothers who've done this horrible thing to him. Horrible. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. Okay, that's, do you see why he was able to forgive? He was able to forgive because he looks at his brothers and and it hits him. He's like, look, you meant this for my evil. I know you did. You meant it for my evil, but I believe with all my heart that God was in the middle of it and God was using it for my good. And in light of God's sovereignty, I, in light of the fact that God was in the middle of this, I'm going to forgive you. All right, now listen, if you don't, if you're a person that doesn't believe in your heart of heart of hearts, the sovereignty of God, If you do not believe in your heart of hearts, Romans 8, 28, that says this, and we know, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to uh, to his purpose. If you don't believe that verse, if that verse right there is just like, nah, that's not really true. I don't really believe that God causes all things to work together for my good because I love him and are called according to his purpose. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that in the midst of the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, God was there and that he was using it for your good, you'll never be able to forgive You'll always look at yourself as a victim. But if like Joseph, even in the worst moment of your life, if you trust the Lord, even if your husband cheats on you, you can forgive. Even if, even if your friend betrays you, your parents neglect you, your company fires you, whatever your situation is that you are walking through, you'll be able to say what you meant for evil, I believe with all my heart, God meant for good. Therefore, in light of him, I'm going to forgive you. Now, some of you may be thinking, Matt, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I want to tell you a story about one more person who was able to forgive in light of the sovereignty of God, and that was Jesus Christ. If there's ever been anybody that's ever actually been wronged, it's Jesus, right? The cross was just a little unjust when you look at it from our perspective. Okay, from God's perspective, it was justice. But he was betrayed by one of his own disciples in uh, one of the moments of his greatest need, his best friend denied that he even knew him. He was tortured and crucified on a Roman cross. And church, this was a man who'd never done anything wrong in his whole life. (laughs) You think about that. This is a man who'd never sinned. All right, he was completely innocent. And yet they slaughtered him. All right, you think you've been wronged? Jesus was wronged. And yet as he hung on the cross, completely innocent, looking down at the people who had wronged him, what did he say? He said, Father, 
forgive them. Forgive them. Okay? How did he do that? How did he do that? Put yourself in his shoes. How did he do that in the moment where he is being unjustly crucified? How do you do that? It's Peter tells us this is how Jesus forgave when he was on the cross. First Peter 2.21, and, and he starts off by talking to us first. Listen to this. It's crazy. He says, for you have been called to this purpose. There's Peter again talking about this is our calling and purpose to be people that forgive. He says, for you've been called to this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. All right, so I just want you to know right now before we read the rest of this, this little verse here, God's talking to you and, and the Lord's saying this is the example. This is the picture of how we're supposed to walk and live and forgive. Watch what he says. He describes Jesus. He says, he who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And what Peter's showing us is that Jesus was innocent. In verse 23, watch this. He says, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. How do you not revile when you are being reviled? How do you not threaten when you are suffering? How do you forgive when somebody is doing you wrong? The answer to the question is you do what Jesus did. You follow in his footsteps. You live according to his example. And in the midst of the wrong and the suffering, you trust in him who judges rightly. Just trust in Jesus or trust in the Lord who judges rightly. That's how you biblically forgive. You obey the Lord. You realize this is a command on my life until you believe in the sovereignty of God. Last one. And in my opinion, church, this is the most critical one for you to be able to forgive. And this, by the way, is a work of the spirit. I can tell you what it is. I can't teach you how to do this. This God has to do this in your life. Number three, last one. For you to be a person that's able to biblically forgive somebody, you have to believe the gospel. You got to believe the gospel. The gospel has to be the primary motivation for your forgiveness. Quick story. I was listening to a sermon today, famous pastor. I do not like his theology, but his, his thing that he was saying was he was talking about forgiveness and he was talking about why we should forgive. And he told the story of a woman in his church. She was young. Her husband had cheated on her. She separated from her husband. And she was going to a Sunday school class that was all women, multi-generation, the next Sunday. There was an older woman in there, had gone through the same thing. Her husband had cheated on her. She divorced him. And she was just this bitter, angry old woman. And the young woman realized, look at the bitter, angry old woman and said, I don't want to be like the bitter, angry old woman. And therefore, I'm going to forgive my husband. She went home and forgave her husband. And they reconciled their marriage. Now, that's awesome that their marriage was reconciled. That's amazing that she forgave her husband. But I want you to know that at the end of the day, that is a secular motivation for forgiveness. For you to forgive because you don't want to be a bitter old woman, at the end of the day, that's a secular motivation for forgiveness. As Christians, we are not called to forgive because we don't want to be bitter old people. As Christians, we are called to forgive because we have been forgiven. It's called the gospel. 
Okay, here's why, here's why this is, is, is critical. The majority of the time, and hear this, because you'll, you'll get this. The majority of the time when, when for you to forgive somebody, you're forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? If your husband cheats on you, he says, forgive me, that knucklehead does not deserve forgiveness. If your parents, if you're growing up, your parents just messed you up. You know what I'm talking about? They, they don't deserve forgiveness. If your boss fires you unjustly and ruins your life and you're unemployed for no reason, I mean, that, that guy does not deserve forgiveness. And so why in the world, why in the world would you forgive somebody that's hurt you in that way? Just so you don't grow up and be old and bitter is not a good enough answer to sustain you and give you the ability and the strength to forgive somebody. Why in the world would you forgive somebody that has hurt you in that way when they do not deserve it? And the answer to that question is because you did not deserve the forgiveness of God. You didn't. And yet he forgave you. And that is as biblical as the day is long. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Let me just get in the Greek here for a second. The wages of sin. What that means is when you sinned, and all of us have sinned in this room, the, the paycheck you got was death. That, that word right there means eternal death. Doesn't mean you just die once. It means you die once and then you die forever. That's what you earned. That's what, what the scripture is saying. Is that what, that's what you deserve. That's what I deserve because we fell short of God's standard of perfection. We earned, we deserve death. That's the paycheck for it. But then it doesn't stop there, does it? It says, but the, everybody say that with me, free gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. It was a free gift to you but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord you did not earn your forgiveness you didn't deserve your forgiveness in God's grace by his grace through his grace he completely forgave you as a gift all right how in the world do you forgive somebody who has wronged you when it hits you how often you've wronged the Lord and yet he forgives. How in the world do you forgive somebody who has been unfaithful to you when it hits you how often you've been unfaithful to the Lord and yet he forgives you? How in the world do you forgive someone who's shown violence against you? How in the world do you forgive somebody who walks into a kindergarten class and kills your five-year-old son? And the answer to the question is this. When it hits you that it was your sin that killed the Son of God. And yet, he forgave you. It's the only way you'll be able to forgive. I want to show you a picture of this. It's an amazing picture of a man who forgives his wife, forgives her biblically because of the gospel. Let's watch this together. I had to devise a plan, an exit strategy out of our marriage. I started pulling up excuses why I thought 
that we should be divorced. Like, we made a mistake in thinking we were the right ones for each other. And I know it was confusing for David because he didn't really know why all of a sudden I wanted out of our marriage. I knew that our marriage wasn't, you know, doing great. I knew that we were kind of in a slump, but I guess that's kind of how I saw it. I didn't see it as like it was done. And so one one day she said to me, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to be married to you anymore. And that just came as a total shock. Previous to her saying that she wanted out of our marriage, you know, I was definitely not pursuing her. And I let her know that I wanted to stay with her. And so I, I began to try to pursue her again. One afternoon while David was at work, I got in my car and I drove around for hours trying to figure out what to do. And I was driving sort of aimlessly through our neighborhood because I knew that I needed to go inside and, and tell David. And so I walked in and um, I just told him that I needed to confess. And that, um, that I had betrayed him and with this guy that he knew was friends with. I don't really know that I knew what to say, you know, other than I'm so sorry over and over. I just, I felt like I had. you know, had run this, this marathon of pursuing after her for just as hard as I had ever done and trying to fix our marriage and, and then kind of get to the finish line of that marathon and then somebody like punches you in the stomach or shoots you in the stomach. I just went numb and didn't really know what to do. God had amazingly and just in his sovereign wisdom taken me through this time of uncertainty where I didn't really know the truth. All I knew is that my marriage was crumbling and that I needed to pursue my wife. And so my heart was already prepared to still want her no matter what. after confession it was extremely messy like there were so many broken pieces eventually the shame settled in feeling like I was dangerous that I couldn't be trusted again I felt dirty and I just remember begging God begging like on my face 
just begging him to please change me. For two years I was having an affair and thought that that relationship would complete me and give me the approval that I desperately needed. What captivated my heart was the need to feel loved, approved of, and to feel complete. And the lie was that this guy made me feel that way, but it wasn't the truth. The truth is, is that there's no one, not even David, can meet those needs. That's one of the biggest things that God has taught me is that He's the only one that can, can meet those needs. And when I place those needs on another human being, I've set them before God and I've made an idol of them. The Bible says with confession comes healing. Our marriage has definitely been healing because of of the act of confession. I have been able to forgive Marlena supernaturally because God has helped me understand how much I have been forgiven and how much I constantly need His grace and His mercy. Our marriage is supposed to be a reflection of Christ and the church. And Christ is not going to stop loving the church. He's not going to stop pursuing the church. And so I'm not going to stop pursuing Marlena. I'm not going to stop loving her. God rescued me in his perfect way and restored the covenant between us and reminded me that there's nothing, absolutely nothing I can do to change how much he'll continue to pursue me and pursue us in our marriage. Christ does that in everybody's life. You know, I mean, our story is, is our story, but everybody has something in his passionately pursuing everyone like that. He's used our marriage to give other people hope that He can restore what's broken. He can bring healing to a situation that seems hopeless. I look at the fact that we're sitting at the table eating dinner with two rowdy, crazy kids <laughs> that we love so much, and I'm just so thankful that we're together. My name is David. My name's Marlena. And we've been married for 10 years. you caught what he said, how he was able to forgive.
wasn't through his power, wasn't through his strength, wasn't because he was a good person. He said, I have been able to forgive Marlena supernaturally because God has helped me understand how much I have been forgiven and how much I constantly need his grace and his mercy. That's the gospel. Who is it this year? Maybe it's no one, but maybe there is. Who is it that God is leading you today, this Christmas, to offer the gift of forgiveness to, to forgive the way that you have been forgiven? It's not gonna be easy. Um, There's always gonna be a cost that you have to pay to do it. But child of God, obey his word. Trust in his goodness and his sovereignty and believe the gospel and he'll give you the power to do it. Let's pray together. Father, today we are so thankful that we are a forgiven people. And Lord, I just ask you today that if there's anybody in this room that's been carrying that burden of unforgiveness, that bitterness, I pray that today through the power of the Spirit of God that you would give them the ability to do it today, to offer that gift, to walk in the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Father, if there's anybody in this room that has not received the free gift of God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, I pray that today you would call them to yourself. I ask that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.